Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm your host, Danny B. From all of us in the writing community, we just think you're amazing because you put your heart and soul into everything you talk about on this amazing show. The podcast has over 50,000 listeners every month. I love coming on your show and I love talking about it. Oh my God, I finally get to speak about it. Talk about all the things that I've been with by myself for so long. I mean, you provide that opportunity to so many of us and, you know, always are an amazing host. We chat about books, the writing process, and how literature has the power to change the world. But most of all, we have real conversations and we have a laugh. I'm feeling sick. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here and sharing the journey. Welcome to the Words Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. And today I'm super excited because I haven't spoken to this person in an age, it feels. Tim Harris, best-selling author of several Laugh Out Loud series for kids, including Toffel Towers, Mr. Bambuckle's Remarkables, and Exploding Endings. And today we're going to talk about these amazing JFIC rat bags. Welcome back, your rat bag, Tim Harris. <laughs> Thanks, you rat bag, Danny. It's so good to see you. I'm just thinking the last time I saw you, mm. we were standing in front of a few hundred kids at a school and you made me wear a pink feather boa. It is true. You, you make it sound like I made you and you weren't enjoying it, Tim. I oh, know. I, well, I, I enjoyed it. I it just was great. The word make because, <laughs> because I remember you had a lot of really interesting props and I was thinking, you know, oh, that top hat looks really cool. Or, well, wouldn't mind that block of chocolate. Uh, <laughs> oh, here comes a pink feather boa. All right, let's see what we can do. <laughs> I think it works with your skin tone, Tim. I think it does. I think it was working. Now, that was really fun. And I've got to say, I was so privileged to be beside you with my one book that had come out. I'd, I remember, I think I'd been an author for about, I don't know, 12 days or something. And I got to, like, work with you. I felt like such a fraud. And you were just this amazing storyteller. So I was, you know, goofing around. But well, really, you did really, I was well. You did really well. I poor. think you were very relaxed. And it was fun, I think, just because we'd spoken to each other before. I met before many times. It was nice just to bounce off each other and be silly. And <laughs> that was great. It was good fun. It Hopefully was really good. But I was in awe of you because your storytelling is so good. Like the kids were just so engaged. And then, can I say, a few months later, you went to my kid's school. And my kid was like, hey, I saw Tim Harris today and he told me a story about the cricket and your teacher. And I'm like, oh, I know these stories. <laughs> That's so good. You can like spoil the punchline. They're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he loves cricket. So he's right into cricket. So he, nice. he was totally engaged. And then he came home and raided my bookshelf, of course, because he's like, where are those Tim Harris books I've read before? <laughs> So he's got a new one now, Rat Bags. Rat Bags, yeah, here it is. It's uh, it's exciting times in our house, and not just because the Woolworth shopping literally arrived 10 minutes before the podcast. Oh, wow, uh, did you get had... all your groceries away, like the cold so, stuff? So check this out, right? You know how sometimes, very occasionally, they'll put something in that you didn't order? Oh, occasionally, like all the time, yeah. Look at this. Oh, my goodness, a party bag of twisties. It's, so there's the plastic rattling around <gasps> for everyone. Um, party bag. It's as big, It's bigger than your head, Tim. <laughs> that means it's pretty big. So, wow. Um, yeah, I've got, a, I've got a big head from eating all the twisties. That's really impressive. See, so, when I got an accidental, like, you know, extra things in my, I got an extra bag and it was all baby stuff and I didn't have a baby oh. time. It was nappies and it was formula and it was all this stuff. And I was panicking because I'm like, oh, this is during COVID. I'm like, some poor mum has not got all this stuff for their baby. So instead of getting a party-sized pack of twisties, I was on the phone to Woolies going, you've got to come back and get this. Some mum is freaking yeah. out without their formula yeah. and nappies. Yeah. 
So they, yeah, I, and I, I put it on the, the socials as well, like, you know, the local. Really? And someone, yes, I, they, I got it to, because I imagine when I was a mum and I needed all that stuff, I would have been panicking had it not come. I didn't get a party bag of twisties. I'm uh, so jealous. Pretty, yeah, and it sounds good, doesn't it, as well? So um, I hope it sounded good when people are listening in the car or walking. Um, so the mood's high here because of that, the twisties in the book coming out. <laughs> Uh, such exciting times. Such exciting times. It's a lovely combination. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're all, we're all, when I say we all, the family, my kids are really excited about this one. They kind of helped me do a bit of a sales pitch to the publisher, actually. Oh, I love that. Hit me. So when, yeah, so we had a Zoom meeting um, and I was a bit anxious because I sort of, for the first time in a while, had felt a bit of pressure to sort of sell, sell, sell here. And so um, my lovely publisher, Zoe Walton, said to me, would you be up for a 10-minute Zoom meeting with our sales and marketing team, but also all the booksellers for, you know, gimmicks and QED and Booktopia and all these? And I, th- and I thought, okay, that sounds like uh, something fun. I thought, how can this be a bit different? So I got my kids to dress up as rats. Um, and the first three minutes I de- was deliberately pretty boring and sort of just talking to them. Then all of a sudden I had a little flat prompt. I said to my kids, when I reach for the green pen, I want you to start acting out your script part. <laughs> and so I reach for the, the pen and then my oldest son, Clancy, jumps up. He's like, Dad, you're a, you know, you're a stinky poo-poo, like dressed up in his rat bag. I can't remember what the script was. And then they all start doing this amazing little script. Um, and so they've been kind of behind it the whole time. So, wow. so yeah, a bit of, bit of uh the twisty bribery there to get the kids helping. Fantastic. So they, they get twisties, not royalties. Is that the deal in the household? Well, but 12.5% twisties. <laughs> Which, you know, if you're a kid, it's heaps better, I reckon. It's really good for, for a party bag. It's <laughs> <laughs> as big as my head. That is a, that is a big percentage. <laughs> I'm just, um, I'm, I'm a bit, you know, sad that we're not doing this in person because I'd love to share that party bag of twisties with you. <laughs> I, I know, I know. And then, of course, it, it's the perfect entree for chocolate, isn't it? I was yeah, about to oh. say that, our love of chocolate. And, you know, occasionally we'll have a thread with Adrian where we just share the chocolate. We won't have share any words. Chocolate. We'll just share the chocolate we've seen. <laughs> so have, have, you had, have you had some good chocolate lately? Oh, look, I have stuck to my lint balls lately. I've got to say, I've been a little bit boring, but I did sneak in the lint, lint bunny. I usually save it for Easter, but they're all in the shopping centre. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah, and, and my kids are far more responsible than, than me, Tim, because I bought them a <laughs> lint bunny and I bought myself one and I ate it in one go. I felt very sick <laughs> afterwards, right? But I yeah. ate it in one go. My kids, they've made it last a whole week. So I look at theirs <laughs> in the fridge and they break off a little bit and eat it like responsible people. And I gorged on mine in oh. one night. No, I think that's a great technique for chocolate eating um, because so I discovered something just a few days ago which which supports this theory. I was in at the at my local shops, my local IGA, and uh, I'm on first name basis with uh, with the guy who manages it, and he had this big like box of clearly Easter eggs, and I said to him, "Oh, do they just come in?" And he said, "Yep." Yeah. And I said, "Oh, can I grab one?" And it was cold because the, the truck had obviously been refrigerated, oh. and I thought, I thought, hang on a second. This has never had been weather affected. It's like fresh off the, the production line. Oh, Tim. And it was one of the best bad batches of chocolate I've ever had. So yesterday, <laughs> oh, today, sorry, I was back and I bought four. <laughs> but I did. I gave them to some of my staff at Primary Rise. I thought this is a good batch of chocolate. <laughs> you guys can enjoy it's it as well. a good batch. Because you, know, <laughs> you know the worst thing is when, when chocolate melts a bit and then gets refrigerated and then melts a bit and gets yeah. refrigerated. Like yeah. that's the worst, right? It's the worst. It was pretty much virgin chocolate. Oh, 
It was just so good. Yeah, so, so I'm talking good. about now, aren't I? But it's it was so really, good. I really, yeah. I really like that. I've, it's never happened to me before. Hopefully, one day <laughs> that will happen to me. That I'll, I'll get there when the truck pulls up and like, it's full of lint, <laughs> lint bunnies. That would be amazing. That's my dream. When <laughs> I was listening, it can make it happen. That's my dream. <laughs> uh, so good. Here's to the chocoholics. Adrian, <laughs> if you're listening, we're, we're thinking about you. We are. He, he can't talk because he's just eating cream eggs right now. <laughs> uh. So anyway, we will keep talking about chocolate and random other things, but (laughs) give me an elevator pitch for rat bags. Elevator pitch. Um, So rat bags is a very cheeky book about naughty rat bags. So the idea was taking the colloquial nickname that we kind of love to throw around for that cheeky rascal, but then applying it literally to rats. Um, But there's one rat jigsaw named so because he doesn't fit in with the other rats. Uh, who loves to follow the rules. He just, he has order every day. He starts his morning the same way. He makes his bed, brushes his teeth, dusts the books on the bookshelf and practices piano for exactly 30 minutes. He loves his rules. So when Jigsaw is uh, thrown into the world of rat bags and meets a couple of the readiest rat bags known to rats, um, his life is kind of turned upside down because all of a sudden they start putting the peer pressure on him to come and help us steal a pizza. that's not the right thing to do uh and but he wants to make friends at the same time so there's this lovely sort of bit of tension running through it with you know what do you what at what point do you you know change who you are to to make friends um yeah so so that's i won't sort of give away what happens at the end but that's roughly the concept what it's about the the writing process was super interesting for this one danny the first draft i think was about seven or seven and a half thousand words and then we um, trimmed it right back to I think it's under three thousand now. Wow! But it had a really big. So it was there was a lot of round tabling in at Penguin, uh, and boy, I learned heaps with this one, uh, learning how to be ruthless pretty much, mm. and learning how to find a different sort of voice based on the word count. Um, so Zoe, Zoe Walton and Nikki uh, Foreman, my editor. And uh, they just were really good. They were, they were kind kind in their ruthlessness, but we had so much fun once we sort of boiled it down to a sort of a voice and a style, uh, it started to take take real shape. Um, yeah, so it was hard not to take it personally at the start, you know, that, <laughs> that, that ruthless editing, but it's it worked out really well and I really love the voice in it. Yeah, and it's just an amazingly highly illustrated book and, you know, I'm holding it up and it's a podcast, Tim, no one can see. Um, <laughs> yeah, on, on... Didn't Shiloh just do so well? So Shiloh <laughs> Gordon, the illustrator, there's illustrations every page mm, um, and I was hoping that there'd be enough, you know, room for him to inject his his own style of humour and he's done that so yeah. well. Yeah, um, page, Pages without text and where his illustrations will absolutely take over the story and um yeah yeah he just nailed it and that's what i wanted to ask you because it is one of those highly illustrated junior fiction books with like said three thousand words which is you know really pared back so what was the process in terms of production you wrote the three thousand words and then shiloh came in to illustrate did you see anything before the finished product were you brought in at any times did you do who did the pagination tell me all the all the gory details oh yeah all yeah absolutely um so Shiloh actually began editing at the 7,000 word mark. So this is where it gets really interesting. So he, yeah, he was illustrating. Oh. Did I say editing? He was illustrating, yeah, illustrating. From, from the word go. And um, so 
that actually worked quite well because we would use his images to work out well, the story doesn't need to say, you know, said Ripple frowning slightly because we can see that she's frowning slightly on this page or, or whatnot. So we could start to, yeah, chip away at removing a lot of the speech. Well, all of the speech tags mm. got removed because suddenly it was speech bubbles and that was the first time one of my books had, had no need for speech tags. Uh, so, yeah, so dialogue became hugely important without the speech tags but just getting to the crunch of the story. Um, and then... I think once we got it down to the like ideal voice and word count, then Nikki Foreman and Zoe Walton got to work breaking it down into the pages. And I think they sort of had a firm page count in mind. And so then it became very mathematical mm. you know, with the story to like, where do you want the page breaks and where do you want, you know, do you want some tension left over on this page? So when you turn the page, it's revealed. And then Christy Lund-White did the design and she put it all out together and uh, she's so cool. If, if she's you're amazing. Yeah, oh. follow her. I think is it Roman Italic? Yeah, it handle? is. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so because so, she did Furball, Adrian Beck, didn't she? She did and yeah. um, Pugnacious yeah. and Scuttlebutt. Uh, yeah, yeah, brilliant. So, yeah, like it's 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 a craft, isn't it? I it have is. so much she is. She's admiration amazing. for yeah, she just that, has this it, incredible vision and just draws out everything that's amazing from the book and just manages to put that on the cover. So, you know, you can see the characters, the colours are amazing. And I can see in the back of this book, you know, there's three more books coming after this and those covers, they just have so much movement and they're so exciting and it just makes you want to read them. Like she's yeah, incredible. Beautiful, beautiful font design and yeah. branding. And yeah. it's funny, you know, because... Sometimes I feel a bit fraudulent thinking, well, I just wrote a little simple plot and then this whole team has come in and put their magic touches on it with the editing and, and the constructive feedback for the writing and then the book design and the illustrations from Shiloh um, and it just, you know, turns into this amazing thing. You're like, well. And, and the other thing that I find fascinating is you, when you're writing it, there's a certain vision that you have for it and it, and it never ends up the same but it always ends up better. Yeah, I agree, better for sure. Yeah, I love that. And I just love the idea. I think someone said, you know, you always get a bit sort of embarrassed about, oh, should I be plugging my book this much? I mean, obviously you you need to because otherwise no one knows it exists. But when you think about it, you're not actually plugging, I mean, your name's on it, but you're not plugging your book. You're plugging this incredible team who have come together and put in so many hours and thought and love and vision into this book that you kind of, if you're not celebrating your book, you're shortchanging that entire team that's been behind it, right? Absolutely, which is why listeners should buy the book. <laughs> they should buy two copies <laughs> each, really. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I love that. But, yeah, it's a great book and I just love so many things about it and um, it was just a real joy. You know when you just feel joy when you pick up a book? This was this one. I was oh, just like, oh, this is such a joyful <laughs> book. I love it. Really Loved nice. it even before I read it, just picking it up. I oh, loved nice. it. <laughs> and now there are plenty of laughs and, you know, I think, that writing for kids and particularly writing humorously for kids is really hard. And maybe it's a bit of an underrated craft. I don't know, because people think, oh, 3,000 words. I don't think they think that. I think 3,000 amazing words. But, you know, 
it's hard to write what you need to write in 3000 words, character, you know, all that stuff behind it about making friends and getting your characters right. And then trying to be funny as well. Like there's a lot to do in minimal words. So how do you know that you're hitting the mark with comedy? I mean, you've got kids of your own. Do you test your stories out on them? Are they brutally honest? Such a good question. It really is. And, and it, it is hard, I think. I think it can be very underrated. And that's not at all, you know, to, to, to blow a trumpet, so to speak. But No, I think it's um, just respecting find, this craft. Yeah, yeah you know? that's right. Yeah. I find if, I, if I'm, first of all, not enjoying the process, then there's something probably mm-hmm. wrong and I'll usually I'll stop and walk away for a little bit. So if I'm sort of enjoying it and giggling and laughing, then that's that's a great headspace to be in. I know I'm on the right track at least to start with. And interestingly, that's what I was experiencing when I was doing my 7,000-word draft. And so I thought, okay, this is great. It's on the right track. You know, the jokes are working. And, and a lot of my humorous style kind of, especially from my other series, which were 25,000 words a book, it allowed me to take time to set up a joke and to have mm-hmm. a lot of callbacks and um, to sort of, you know, establish um, punchlines, you know, after drawn-out scenarios or whatnot. So this one was like, okay, so what are some tried and tested humorous techniques? So the young readers, of course, because they're they're really just getting a grasp on, on English, um, puns becomes a... a a technique that's usually going to be fairly safe. And so, of course, there's puns sprinkled throughout it because that's a language feature um, where the kids are at. Uh, that age is also your classic age for a bit of toilet humour. And so <laughs> the temptation there was to kind of overdo it because I think it's fair to say that that stuff of humour is sort of quite saturated in the Australian market. Yeah, you can and say so that. so <laughs> the idea is to just have select moments but the technique that I probably took the most joy using throughout the book was rule of three. And so having, because there's three characters, it means there's so many lovely opportunities where they'll each say something. The first two will start to set up the third character for a punchline. Uh-huh. And I really like that. And so, and sometimes it won't be the main character. So there's a page where it's a flashback to Ripple and Onion, who are our really naughty rats and they're, they're back in a science lab where scientists are experimenting on them and one scientist says, you know, um, uh, what's the first one? You know, eat eat these Brussels sprouts or something and the second one says um, put on this lipstick and then so that's our first two and then the third one, so rule of three is like, well, let's make the third one quite silly and the third one says and then you have to listen to jazz for ten minutes. <laughs> so, and so poor jazz, jazz gets a bit of a beating. <laughs> In rap bags. And I so, remember that uh, from one of your posts actually on socials, your, your jazz <laughs> line. I remember that. I thought, geez, you've got a wacky sense of humour. <laughs> and then in book two, uh, it talks about the, the antagonists, you know, how it's like a flashback to how the antagonist escaped um, from, from a house for stray cats. And it, he's hiding under a trolley of industrial waste. Like this guy in a, like a hazmat <laughs> suit is pushing him out. And I said to Shiloh, can you put like an LP at the top of that that trolley that says jazz greatest hits. <laughs> so it's with all this like crazy chemicals and it's <laughs> going out. So it, and it, so then it becomes a running gag as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. It. And, and I so, think rats are great too. I mean, I love the part where, you know, they're just eating pizza crusts out of the bin and they're like, you know, humans are great because they keep chucking their crust pizza crust in the bin for us. I like just kind of, <laughs> kind of humor was kind of really enjoyable because you really played on on what it is to be a rat, I guess, that's yeah. your life. 
That, that's a really great pickup, Danny, and that's that yeah, perspective humor. I think we love looking at mm. things from different points of view, and sometimes it just takes that open-mindedness to open a whole world of, you know, humor. We're like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's from their perspective. <laughs> yeah, another another really cool technique. It is, and I love it because rats, you know, when you think of a rat, look, I'm, I'm generalizing here, but you generally don't want them in your house. Um, if there's a rat in your house, you might want to get them out. If there's a rat at a restaurant, you probably don't want to eat there again. And so I, I love what you've done about making them really likable and making them really fun and, and, you know, completely flipping that on its head, especially with, you know, Jigsaw, who's that rule follower and brushes his teeth. It's so unrat like like that's where humor is too. And the unexpected, right? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a lot of that. And, and on that too, I think Charlo's illustrations, he, he adds humor through facial expressions and through body positions or the, the body positions of the rats and, um, and you know, human reactions. And so there's there's that whole extra visual layer of humour that's out of my control but Shiloh just, you know, brings to the fore, yeah, uh, which, I, which is really cool reading it back. Absolutely. I absolutely love highly illustrated work because I think there's two stories running through it parallel and I think for your more literate kids, they'll, you know, read the words and appreciate the pictures. Then I know when my kids were learning to read, they would just read stories just visually, which I thought was really cool. And and then you get those two stories running parallel, which then come together to tell an even better, greater, richer story. Yep, exactly right. One of, one of my favourite ways that works is when uh, we have the introduction of the head rat. So Ratty McRatty, you know, that's that classic silly name, isn't it? Uh, like Boaty McBoatface and all those <laughs> ones back, back from the first memes of the internet. So kind of, you know, using that one. But then he, Jigsaw was like, well, who's that rat? And, you know, Ratty McRatty and, and Onion says, oh, that's Ratty McRatty. He's the most important rat in the city. He's great, 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 great. And it just goes on with all these greats. And Shiloh illustrated a different, like, uncle rat for every single one of those greats. But one of the last ones is like great, 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 above average, great, 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 great rat. And the above average rat is the funniest looking rat. <laughs> that's great, and that's great just to have those little jokes too. Because I've I've spoken to people about humor as well, and, and it's like the Simpsons rule, I think, where you do something like the great, 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 you overdo it so much that it becomes annoying until it's funny again. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like in the Treehouse series when Andy and Terry have this is like six pages of a dog barking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and kids, they love it. And they it's funny, it. like they turn the page so quickly, like they're like, oh, it's barking. And it's literally six to eight pages or whatever it is in three seconds. But they're laughing their head off. <laughs> and it, it reminds me all the time of that Simpson episode where Bart, I think, is electrocuting himself and he keeps going, ouch. Ouch, 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 ouch. And for the first three times, you're like, what's happening? And then after like the 20th time, you're, and I'm still laughing about it. Oh, that's brilliant. Yep, that, that's it. There's just, it's, isn't that funny? Like we've, we've worked out, you know, humans have evolved ways <laughs> to make ourselves laugh. There's Thank goodness. This, yeah, I know, right? And, and that's the thing I love about humour is there are so many different ways. And so we all have you know, our favourite comedies that, you know, rely mm. on certain characters or punchlines and things. And yeah, uh, that's the, the joy of the world of humour. What are some of your favourite, favourite comic shows? At the moment, I'm really digging a show called This Country. Uh, it's a British mockumentary, I guess a little bit in, in the style of sort of the British office, but it follows 
two teenagers who are living in the Cotswolds and they're like unemployed kind of dull bludger characters. But it's so brilliantly written and directed. So the two, the two main actors are actually brother and sister in real life. Uh, real life, Charlie and Daisy Cooper, their names, I look, look them up. I really highly recommend if anyone hasn't seen it. But they're horrible characters. <laughs> but they become unbelievably endearing because every now every now and then they'll do something so thoughtful for someone else you think wow where did that come from and so there's a real kind of tapestry to the way they're put together so I'm absolutely digging that one it's very slow paced um and before that one and this is probably now in my top three of all time is detectorists Mm -hmm. where it follows uh so it's a no laughter track not mockumentary but more of just a almost like a sitcom and it's so beautifully shot. There's all these lovely sweeping, you know, uh, green fields and our two detectorists are going metal detecting. And the lead actor, writer, is Mackenzie Crook, who was um, Gareth in the original UK office. Oh, and wow. Of the and then his sidekick is Toby Jones. So you get this amazing visual fight difference between the yeah. two characters, but they're kind of best mates and they have this dream of uncovering, you know, these ancient um, treasures on, on English soil. But it's so gentle. It really is. It's a weird combination of extremely relaxing but also very funny and well Wow, that sounds really uh, interesting. It, it is really interesting. And it gets, it, if the, the reviews on IMDb are so glowing for it. Uh, but then, you know, like laughter track shows like the IT Crowd and, and yep. Black Books love those as well. Mighty Boosh. Um, I think that, don't think that one has a laughter track, but that's a bit more out there. And, but there's so <laughs> much great dialogue. When you know they're opening monologues, well, not monologues, they're opening conversations with each other. Um, yeah, but and that's the thing. Like any craft, you kind of take elements from different shows that you love or mm. different books that you love, and you throw it into your own style. Mm. Faulty Towers Faulty remake. Towers. Remake. What do you think about that? I, I actually did. So you got to fill me in. What's happening? Well, I, I read that there's a remake happening and there's, you know, there's wow. a bit of controversy about whether there should be a remake or not. I say cool. bring it on. Bring it on and it's show so me what that looks like. Look, yeah, I'm very intrigued now that you say that, but are there some shows that shouldn't be remade? Definitely. But I'm like, so curious. I'm very yeah, curious. Yeah, no, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so for me, like a no touch would be like Back to the Future. Mm. Oh, can't, yeah. Can't. Shawshank yeah. Redemption. Never touch it. <laughs> I can't wait to show my kids Back to the Future. I forgot I was going to show them and I forgot in the first scene there's this really gruesome scene. I was like, oh, we won't be watching that. <laughs> so, we hit stop and like, we're really enjoying that. Uh, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and I forgot Princess about Bride. that because you don't, you know, think about those things. I love getting my kids to watch all those older movies that we've watched, um, you know, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yes, the original version, yeah, the original. and E.T. They love E.T. <laughs> yeah, we haven't quite gone there. I find the Eminem scene is really spooky, like when he's laying out or if it's at Skittles or whatever he's putting in, and <laughs> E.T.'s little scream. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that scarred me as a seven-year-old. It just brings me back, though, to my childhood because E.T., I think, was the first movie I'd ever seen at the movies. And then my daughter wanted an ET doll. I'm like, yes, because I used to have okay. an ET doll. It was fantastic. Oh, what a winner. Yeah, right. well, you know what? That's it. I've got to show it to my kids now because they, they, they are old enough. <laughs> yeah, they're 27, ET. 24. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that's not right. 11 I, is 11. I still loved ET. So I, I still was like, I think it's just that nostalgia. I think nostalgia is a really yep. strong feeling. Yeah, you couldn't remake that. Princess Bride couldn't remake that one. There's mm-hmm. some movies that just should be 
Um, but well, yeah, Faulty Towers remake. Well, Faulty Towers could be I'm one of those, but cool. if they're doing it anyway, I'm very curious. Yeah, so. see, I'd love to like who's who's playing Basil. Mm, that's I, that's I, big shoes to fill, isn't it? Absolutely, and it's big shoes to fill anyway. You know, because that's yeah. classic classic comedy. That yeah, and and it, it was written and directed and filmed in an era where there was a lot of politically incorrect correct humor, and so that's obviously going to get ironed out and replaced with modernisms and all sorts of things so that's really fascinating it's fascinating because i think that kind of comedy was built upon like you say what is politically incorrect you know particularly when it comes to women and and things like that so it'll be very interesting to see if they can still you know if still be humorous in a different way in a modern world yeah Yeah. that's why i'm totally curious about it like i hope it's funny but i'm really curious about how to do that it's funny, you know, you've kind of sold it to me now. I'm like, well, you know, you can remake that. <laughs> Didn't even mean to. I was, I'm just super <laughs> curious about it. <laughs> we'll have oh, to come boy. on and do another episode where we just do a review of Faulty yeah. Towers remake. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, I want to know, um, what do you love about writing for kids? I mean, we've talked about humour and it's fun and, you know, I can see, you know, when you were doing Book Week, the energy you get from these young people, I know I do. So what do you love about it? Yeah. It's um it's project based and that's something that I get my kicks out of. Um and because coming from a primary teaching background, it was that world of what are kids reading, what do they enjoy, what makes them laugh. I used to really enjoy trying to have a fun classroom and you know challenging myself to get the kids laughing at least once a day. And so it's that world of you know it's you know built up on fifteen years of of teaching background, but now the ability to do projects and so I really love the challenge of well here's here's an idea for a story uh what could it be about uh, in the case of rat bags it was actually title first it was the the only one of my uh four series that were based on a title uh, all of the others were based on concepts wow so that's really interesting yeah it's, isn't it it's weird isn't it yeah. um what a strange way to write a book but it was literally just I, think I was laying in bed one day and, and I was just thinking of words and titles and I thought of rat bags and I thought oh that's a good name for a series I thought oh surely it's been done before <laughs> and so I googled it uh looked at the topia and couldn't find anything and went you're kidding me and then <laughs> then of course after that it was like okay well who could the characters be what could the plot be and that kind of thing but yeah it was it was word a word based wow. inspiration. but that's the magic and the frustration of creation right particularly ideas for stories because they can come anywhere and they can come from nowhere, but they can also not come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So sometimes it can be handy to have a little, you know, notebook to write down ideas that you know could be a good challenge one day, but it's just not the right time yeah. uh, to write it. Do you find that with your with the picture books? Yeah, I think timing is kind of everything. Um, and I think the timing for my extraordinary mum just seemed to be really right for me. Yeah. You know? yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. weird. I think the universe just sometimes you just have to wait, be patient, and it and happens at the right time. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, well said. Put a lot of trust in that universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and do you, do you find as well like with it's like being project based? You kind of pour all this creative energy into, uh, and I imagine for a picture book sometimes it's you know hours on on a page getting the rhythm and the rhyme just right yeah I remember with my epic dad because you know I'm new I'm new to this published business 
Um, I remember spending a whole weekend on two lines, Tim, because the rhyme Amazing. wasn't right. It wasn't right. And I knew it wasn't right and I wanted yep. it to be right. And so I just obsessed over it for two days, just looking at it, going back, scribbling notes, flipping the sentences yep. around, rhyme zone, yep. this zone, thesaurus.com. Yep. But by Sunday afternoon, I, I'd gotten where I wanted it to get. And even though it seems like a really long process, I felt like it was worth it. I, it can't, tell worth you, I, it. I can't actually tell you what line it is now. <laughs> well, and now you know never ever to end a line with the word orange. Exactly. Purple, elephant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Um, yeah, but it's that So it's that, that exact process, the challenge of a project. And um, and then, you know, the, the goal is always uh, for me to, to get kids enjoying reading and laughing. And so those two things are really what, what I love about the process. Mm, I love the puzzle that you think you're never going to solve. You know, you've got this idea and you might have a character or something and then you've, you kind of got nothing and then you push through it and you push through it and you don't know if you're going to get there and some of it sucks and whatever. And then you get to the end, you're like, oh, like I did that from nothing. Like that's pretty cool, right? It, it is, yeah. And, and it is cool. But it's also it's terrifying, and, yeah. I, and uh, it's what I keep reminding myself. This is what young young kids face every day at school. It's the blank paper effect, yeah. and it can do your head in. And uh, yeah, no, <laughs> so it's true. A, but I think a, I think bad words are just as valid as good ones because you have to write them to get there, or yeah. you know, write enough bad words for them to be good yeah. words. That's that's exactly it, and and that's that. I think the. Um, the lead into that famous quote for writers is you, you can't edit a blank page. <laughs> That's right. But you so can edit you can edit all those terrible words and rhymes you've written, Danny. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> so you're busy doing this. How many have you written? There's four so far in the series. Have you finished writing them all? Are you still in the midst of the process? How's it working? Well, two went to print yesterday. There were some frantic final um, weekend edits doing that one. Always but, are just before print. Isn't that exciting just before yeah. print, Tim? It, it was <laughs> probably the closest it's ever been for, like, uh, attention, Tim. Quick, need your opinion on page 41. <laughs> Pretty exciting, right? When you're like, oh, my God, it's right before print. Like, yeah. it's that terrifying adrenaline sort of situation. Bit of a thrill. Yeah, a bit of a thrill. And mm. then in two weeks' time, I'm heading into PRH headquarters at North Sydney to go over the text for book three. So it's already written and now it just needs its, um, like, final trimming mm. and rearranging. And I don't think that one's been laid out for maybe it has. Maybe it is on um pages now i think the loose rough illustrations have started and book four is drafted and so that one yeah so that one it's good to have them all sort of i guess the ideas you know yeah Yeah. and how often are they coming out two months every two months oh wow march may july and september that is huge every two months that's fantastic i love that it's pretty cool yeah it's new for me uh the most sort Mm. of i've ever had in a year is two books and that was six months apart that was there was a few years in a row of that so to have four in a year plus a picture book as well in August thrown in sort of in book week uh it's very different sort of schedule for me so it makes it fun 2023 is a year I've, I'm really yeah, keen on. Yeah but it's really cool for kids because if they love rat bags then they don't have to wait too they long the for the next yeah. one yeah. yeah uh tell me about your picture book the picture book is it's like a concept kind of picture book it's the left and the right hand page sort of fighting over who's the best but it becomes really yeah interactive because 
you know, they're arguing and then the right page will throw an anvil onto the left page, which weighs the left page down. And so suddenly right is on top and left is on the bottom. And so it becomes one that you turn as you're reading it. Wow. Um, lots of word, lots of, yeah, heaps of wordplay. And, you know, Did you write right? this after reading an entire Lint Bunny? <laughs> Oh, the crackle of the party bag of twisties. That's where you get your fuel from. Uh, yeah, who? I, actually, it's an exploding endings concept. So uh-huh. in exploding endings, there's left page versus right page kind of Love balance it. dominance. And I'm, I'm a very good boy, Danny. I like to do my homework at, at book signings. I'll always ask the the kids, I'll say, what was your favourite part of this book? What was your, your favourite character? And Page Wars just stood out that kids would always say it was their favourite part of exploding endings. And so I said uh, to my publisher, Zoe, that, hey, this could be an idea for a picture book. What if we made it, you know, maybe more interactive and uh, boiled down some of the best jokes even more from Exploding Endings, but completely gave it a new, you know, breath of breath of fresh air. Um, yeah, so so that I don't think we even have a title yet. Amazing. <laughs> so that'll, because Rat Bags has been, you know, really dominating at the moment. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I hope, I hope I don't get in trouble for mentioning this. But, uh, yeah, this well, is you'll have about a week and a half to let me know if I need to cut it out or not. Otherwise, I think it will be all right. Sorry. <laughs> um, well, I love that idea. I think that's an amazing idea. And what I also love, Tim, is when you're getting, you know, you're signing books for kids, you're doing a bit of market research. You're a, you're a great multitasker there. <laughs> and that's why I always spell the names wrong. <laughs> 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 I love it. Jacqueline Harvey gave me the best advice. She she actually writes down unique names and she puts them into books. So she says when she does signings, she'll have some paper and, and pen handy wow. and she'll actually say to them, Do you mind if I write your name down? I think it's a really interesting name. I might I might use it. And she oh, that's does. cool. I love that. That's a fantastic and idea. That's right, because there are these really funky, unique mm. names now. And that's what can make a great book character is yeah. It's a starting point. It's the reference, you know, where name holds power. And if it's a bit unique or really matches a certain personality, then grab it, grab it and yeah. use it. Yeah, and it so, often helps shape the character, doesn't it? Because if it's got a really yeah. cool, unique, I mean, Jigsaw, like you said before, Jigsaw, yeah. Yeah. you know, that, that also shapes that character or, or helps shape it, I imagine. Yeah, that's right. So our three main characters, two, two are nouns and one's a verb. And and that's you're such a teacher, ain't you? You never lose it, do you? I was a teacher for 17 years, and it never goes away, right? (laughs) Never, (laughs) never goes away. Sometimes the stuff that comes out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, that's the English teacher kicking in. Sorry. (laughs) Now, Tim, uh, you know, usual question: Why do you like chocolate? Uh, there's got to be there is scientific research to this what does it do to your body it releases some kind of endorphins endorphin or something right? yeah and, and you have i have a trigger point for chocolate it's the corner of the couch with the remote in my hand it's Ooh. like okay this is now time to enjoy an episode of you know this country yep. or detectress yep. or watch a film started watching last night the first 30 minutes of uh all quiet on the western front on netflix nice. that looks mm-hmm. like a pretty pretty powerful film um and that's the trigger point it's like okay i'm in a happy place here the day's done the kids are sleeping uh wife is happy to enjoy this one or she wants to watch something else and so we might split up you know one has the ipad and one has the television if we don't want to watch the same thing so it's that happy happy time of the night where it's quiet same as what i do tim the kids are asleep really good so now it's actually the worst time to eat chocolate 
I know. I hear that all the time. <laughs> yeah. I hear it's bad for your digestion and all that stuff, but I still do it too. The kids are in bed. I grab my chamomile tea. I sit in the same position in the lounge and put on whatever I'm watching and have my lint balls with my tea. And it's just the part of the day I look forward to the most, really. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that, and I find that's actually what, what sometimes inspires creative energy. Mm. Absolutely. Fueled by chocolate. Anyway, Fueled I have asked chocolate. you have asked you this question, but it evolves, I think, over time. So the real question was, why do you write? So why do you still write? Why do you keep writing? Has that evolved? Yeah. The the challenge of projects and the challenge of having an idea that, you know, the the struggle of trying to articulate a story and the reward of doing it, and then the the ultimate reward of hopefully having some feedback from from a young person who said, this book got me reading, or I really enjoy this book, and now I'm sort of churning through some other books as a result. Uh, that's really, really, really cool feeling, and that's definitely uh, the reason why I still write is, you know, and there've, there's been some books that didn't do too well as well, but but even with those ones, you get that odd message from someone who says, oh, when's, you know, when's the sequel to that one coming out or, or, or whatnot? Um, and that's the best. And you go, you know what? It doesn't matter that that one wasn't a huge, roaring success because there's someone who really enjoyed it. And I, and I enjoyed writing yeah. it. I never write a book I don't enjoy writing. Mm. It's golden rule number one. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's why I do it. Mm. And I also think that success can be measured in different ways. I know we live in a society that measures success by numbers and money and all of those things, yeah. but success yeah. can be measured in other ways too, I think, yeah. you know, enjoyment or what's been rewarding to you or enriching yeah. and all those kind of things that we, we don't celebrate yeah. as much. That's so true. And, and my most, I'm not going to name names, but my most rewarding writing process, the most difficult one, but that I was so proud of the end was, was my lowest selling book. Wow. I love that. So I did exactly what I said was true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I as love soon, that as, so as much. soon as you said it, I was thinking, oh, this is perfect. It's exactly <laughs> what the experience. I love yeah. that. I love speaking to you, Tim. It's been too long and, you know, I couldn't wait to speak to you again. I was very excited when I got this in the mail. I must say, I might have squealed in the post. I was like, yeah. <laughs> <So, laughs> That's great. It's really cool to get to speak to you again and just catch up like it was yesterday, really. So hopefully, we can catch up soon lint bunnies in hand twisties party bag and who knows what will happen <laughs> <laughs> awesome that has been so so nice to chat thanks tim